0: um i started cooking when i was a wee one i always just remember grandma and going to grandmas and always just hanging out in the kitchen with her and she'd teach me how to make things like you know when i was younger it was it was the scones and then as we got older she'd get me more stuck in with the the hot hotter foods and things like that she was my favorite human in the whole wide world
1: This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. One of the underlying themes of Deep in the Weeds has been the notion of change, an ability to accept adversity and find new ways to move forward. The pandemic may have highlighted this, but change is part of everyday life for everyone. But it's often the more extreme of circumstances which magnify issues and pinpoint what matters most. Naomi Lowry is the head chef of Banksia Hotel in Sydney. Naomi, how are you going?
0: I'm good. How are you?
1: I'm good. You've uh, had quite a career in hospitality, but you left it for a little while, just in the last couple of years, um, into into TV land um, before returning to the fold. What, What was it like um, being a chef and being in the background uh, in regards to producing television shows.
0: Um, okay, yeah. Initially, it was really hard because as a chef, and you see something, someone doing something wrong in the kitchen, you want to correct it so the customer gets the right dish. But this is this was, you know, it was plate of origin, and it was a reality um, cooking show, and so you couldn't, you weren't allowed to correct it. You had to let the the contestants mess up basically because it was their dish and you weren't allowed to step in so that was that was that was hard but um yeah yeah it was it was really interesting and I'm really glad that I did it and it was a whole new experience for me um so yeah but ultimately I think you know it, it was. I don't. I don't know. It was weird.
1: <laughs> well, well, tell tell us about what your role was. We can look at your chefing career um, shortly, but uh, what what most of us normally see is just what's on the screen. But there's so many people in the background working on things. And and being a chef, I guess um, not many people think about the chefs in the background of these cooking shows. Well, what was your role?
0: Um, so I was the the food producer be uh, was my official title, um, which was very exciting because I'm not entirely sure how I landed the job <laughs> <laughs> because I'd never done TV before. Um, but the executive producer called me up. Um, I went and had an interview with him. Obviously, he'd been working with Colin previously um, on other MKRs. Uh, and Colin put a good word in with David and all of a sudden I was offered the, the food producers job, um, for a plate of origin and, um, yeah, off I went. So it, it started off with, um, I would, you know, the, the, the contestants would send in their recipes and you have to research where to get all their food. And so, um, cause we had all different nationalities, um, we had to, I had to make sure that they could get all their ingredients, um, which was going great until COVID hit. <laughs> um, and then, you know, butter and flour became scarce. Um, so I got to hire more people. Um, I literally had, I hired three extra people for the team, one to go East, one to go West and one to go South. Cause we were filming up in, in Dural. um, so just to get so we could have all the ingredients at these at the contest because we had oh it was ten different teams from all from like all different so there's China Greece France Italy India Vietnam uh, Venezuela um, on, I'm forgetting Australia I'm forgetting the other two off the top of my head um apologies if any of them are listening <laughs> um so that that was um that was hard during the covid part of it and then um i called it uh we used to disney the the greenhouse um is how like you know you walk into the greenhouse um and it just looked beautiful now not all greenhouses look like that like you know there'll be a few weeds there'll be a few straggly bits but you know for tv world we made it look beautiful and everything like that um so, that was the Disney and the set as well. So, we, we were in charge of all the equipment. So, testing the equipment every day, making sure it worked. Um, if there was any issues, it would, you know, fall on, fall on me to get it fixed. Um, obviously, you know, uh, I would... Passed the, the jobs around to my team and everything and I had an, an amazingly supportive team who had all done TV for years um, and they were, suddenly had a, a boss who um, was a chef but not a, a TV person. Um, so I definitely had to also watch my P's and Q's and things like that because, I mean, TV world's not, it, it's not crazy um, sort of PC but it's uh, definitely not a kitchen.
1: well you mentioned you said you you said you were glad that you did it but you're also glad to be back in the kitchen properly
0: yeah look I think I'm gonna die in the kitchen um I'm super glad I did and I got to go actually I got to see so many parts of Australia too that I hadn't seen even though I've been here for 20 years now um I haven't traveled enough in Australia because they put me on sort of the audition route and I would go and audition um potential contestants so one day I was in Perth the next day I was in Tassie the next day I was down in Melbourne the next day I was in Adelaide you know it was um sort of every weekend I was traveling somewhere which was really uh exciting I loved I loved having to go to Melbourne because my friend has um a couple of restaurants down there so that was a really good excuse to go and see her too (laughs) who I think yeah I think you've actually interviewed her um Almay Jordan so yeah um, but yeah, so that was that was awesome. But at the end of the day I think I'm I'm just gonna be a chef.
1: <laughs> well, well you've recently taken the role uh of Colin Fassinger's Banksia Hotel. Um how did that come about and what um, what's it, what are you doing there?
0: Um so I've worked on and off for FAS um since since they opened basically, um, just casually um and i'm now sort of in a position where i want the the stability you know I, it's covid was really hard for hospo in general mm. um and it, like i said it was it was really great for me to try something else um in tv world but i'm i'm just happy being um a chef and i i've i've just I really enjoy working for not just Fast, but the whole social call company. They've been nothing but supportive to me through the highs and the lows that have been the last few years of my life. So, um, yeah, I I just couldn't be happier right now. I don't think like it's, it's great to be back in the kitchen and it's great to be working with such um, a good bunch of people.
1: Well, this role marks a, a big moment um, for you, a head chef of – Banksia Hotel, because you've had, as you briefly mentioned, um, quite a difficult uh, few years. Can you can you take us through what you've been through?
0: Yeah. So um, back in so 2017, I decided to open my own restaurant, um, and then three months into opening it that up, I got diagnosed with uh, breast cancer, which was. Uh, shall we say not ideal, three months into your own business, Um, a bit of a shock, a little bit horrified, a little bit, um, and I caught it late, so this was uh, a bit of an issue as well, so um, it was, I think, yeah, it was just uh, horrible, basically, I think, what is it in, in, on the 17th of February, was it the 16th of February? This year it'll be three years since my diagnosis, so which is a good—it's—it's it's great because once you hit three years, it, the chances of it coming back drops down to quite to really low, and you just want to get to that five-year mark. But yeah, getting diagnosed with um pretty much yeah so that stage three, almost four breast cancer was a bit of a a bit of a shock to the system. Um, which then followed, you know, rounds of chemo and immunotherapy and double mastectomy, Um, and I was – just what it does to your body, it was horrible, and I was really grateful that – I don't know if you've read um, Life on the Line by uh, Nick O'Connor and Grant Ackett's. It's a brilliant book, and it talks about when Grant Ackett um, gets – Uh, tongue cancer and how he goes into his kitchen at a linear and couldn't you lose all taste when you're having chemo. So it's really hard to be a chef and have a chemo at the same time. Um, And I'm so grateful that I read that book and I read it years ago because he's one of my favorite chefs. Um, And when it happened to me after my first round of chemo my brain just instantly for some reason went to the book and went, you're going to be all right. Your taste buds are going to come back um but right now you're just gonna have to rely on your chefs um and you know i had i had it they weren't just chefs they were really good friends um who came and helped me open up kalina so i had dan mulligan who was my old head chef from pilu so i used to be his sous chef at pilu and he came and helped me open up the restaurant and um, and then another friend of mine, Nikki, who she, we worked together when we were working at Batonies and everything like that. So, like, I had t- just two really core people who just really helped me get through um, not being able to taste any of the food that I was putting out in the restaurant.
1: <laughs> what sort of impact did it have on you um, during that period of time um, going through something so traumatic and finding it so late?
0: Um. Look, it was, uh, it was, it it was horrible. That's the only thing I can think of to say, really. I, I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. Um, not that I have lots of those, but um, I couldn't, you know, it's just, it's so, and what it does to you, to your body and how it makes you feel. And it was, you know. My mum my mum came over from London and she came to help look after me and she said if I you know, if I ever write a book about you having cancer, it's gonna be called My Daughter Was Poisoned, Maimed, and Burnt because you have the poison from the chemo, you know, I had a double mastectomy Um, and then you have know, you get burnt quite badly during radiation. Oh so, um, yeah, but you know, there is it's not just negatives with the cancer the one thing that I was so blown away with, it was the, the support that I got, um, not just from friends and family, but from the, the industry, um, was, you know, I had people just help offering to help me out, you know, fast included. He was, he was offering to bring me dinner, you know, food into the, to the IPA when I was having my surgery and stuff like that. Cause I can tell you hospital food is not great. <laughs> even, or you know, even if, you are – I was – sorry, I was at um, Chris O'Brien Lifehouse. It's a cancer-specific hospital, but this food's still terrible no matter where you go, I think, in hospitals. Um, so, yeah, I had the the hospital world um, offering to just help me wherever they could. Um, people would come and, you know, just – do you need me to cover a shift today for you so you can just have a, a break? Do you, do you need – some food. Does your mum want to come to the restaurant? um And you know, we'll we'll cheer her up because I was I was still working because I, I'm stubborn like that. And I would I'd take Tuesdays off. The restaurant was closed on Monday, and I always had chemo on a Monday, so I'd take the Tuesdays off because trust me, you need to be close to a bathroom. Um, <laughs> well, you do. And then I'd work Wednesday to to Sunday. Um, which mum wasn't happy about, but uh, I think being in the kitchen kept me going because I, I just didn't have to think about being sick. I just thought about making food and and rolling pasta, and you know, cut, like you know, I'd have Katrina from Redleaf Farm bringing me these beautiful pigs that I. That, it was just. It was something to distract me away. And, and then I had these, you know, all these wonderful people just checking in on me. And like the guys from Pork Stars were amazing. Were well, A couple uh, uh, a few of my old, like actually most of the, the people who I'd worked for in the past, my friends did a, a fundraiser for me because of one of the, one of the drugs that I had to take was a, a tender $50,000 that wasn't covered by Medicare or Bupa. So the guys did a fundraiser and they all like, I had donations from Pilu, from Ormegio, from Popolo, which is now Marta, um, from, uh, you know, Claire from Bloodwood, who I'm really good friends with. She donated like all these people just donated these prizes and we raised money to cover my cancer treatment, um, uh, which was just mind blowing. And then one of the other, Places I worked in Balmain, Batonies, they just put a jar on the counter and they put a sign saying, "You know, our old health chef Naomi and blah 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 blah. she's, she's got cancer," and uh, they put it in nicer wording than what I'm saying right now. <laughs> and they they raised two and a half thousand dollars for me. Wow. It was, it was un—you know—it was unbelievable because um, cancer is not cheap. I think my cancer bill to date is about one hundred fifty thousand. Wow. Um, so <laughs> I haven't bought a house yet, but I'm alive. So that's, I guess, great.
1: <laughs> well, you mentioned um, rolling pasta and that uh, distraction of and love of food was really helpful during that time. And your CV is extraordinary, the restaurants you've worked at, and there's a real Italian slant towards um, your cookery. Can you tell us a bit about uh, your food and why Italian has played such a big role?
0: Oh, well. Kind of just fell into Italian. I just didn't. I love making it, and I love how Italians think of things. Like they use everything, and it's not just Italians, but a lot of places. But they really use um, everything. And I, I think the first proper full-on Italian restaurant would be the Beresford when it was um, first reopened with Danny Russo, and I'm pretty sure he kind of looked at me like who is this girl who doesn't really have that much Italian on her CV? Um, she's telling me she's French trained and she wants to come work here. And in my head, I'm going, I want to go work at the Barris. Like, I wanted to go for the interview at the Road because I used to go to the Beresford in the old days of the Beresford where it was <laughs> very, very interesting. I was like, who opens up a restaurant here? So I wanted to go and check it out. And I was like, okay. And then, yeah, Danny offered me a job and um, – it just went from, from there. Um, and you know, it was, it was a pretty, you know, great kitchen. Um, we had Mitchell on pasta. We had Alfie Spinner who ex key and stuff like that in there as well. And then we obviously we had Danny and, um, all these great people. Um, and, and this beautiful venue compared to, definitely compared to what it used to look like. Um, <laughs> Uh, and it, you know, it wasn't the, the, the 6am shenanigans that you, you used to go to, but it was just, um, this great oven and this, that's not great oven, great kitchen. And it was just, um, that started, I guess, my, my love for Italian food, uh, like making it and then went on to open up Signorelli, um, Gastronomia with, uh, James Viles was the exec chef um, at Darling, Darling Island. Um, and yeah, so he got me in at, at Signorelli Gastronomia. Following on from there, I went to, to Pilu, um, where, uh, you have to learn cool journeys, which t- it took me a while to get the pinch right on those, those bloody pastas, but I was so happy when I did it. And then, you know, you can't run out of cool, cool journey's and I don't think I've ever cooked as much pig in my life <laughs> as I did when I was at, at Pilu. I mean, I think there was some, some weeks during the summer where we would probably go through about 20 pigs because obviously it'd been one of Giovanni's um, signature dishes, and it was on the degustation, and, you know, who doesn't like a bit of suckling pig? Let's not, you know, <laughs> let's just be honest about that. Um, and then had my little divert and obviously meeting James down and at um, Darling Island in Sydney. He then gave me a call and offered me the head chef position at Biota. So that was, um, I was like, yeah, I'm I'm a country girl. I can do this. And off I went, tried to be a country girl. Um, Working at Biota was incredible. You know, just growing all your own produce and going up. I mean, I would take The pigs to the abattoir with um oh I'm having a a memory. Sam, Katrina's husband, um, and then all these like stuff that chefs dream about. Um, and you actually get to do it. Uh, which was it was just an incredible um experience. Um and then yeah, back, back to Sydney because I was I was not the country girl. um um, and then yeah worked I think where did I go after that I was off at the duck in and then yeah then back into Italian restaurants again with Tappo Osteria um and back to rolling pasta and just being happy um and then yeah Popolo for they had me for quite some time and then um yeah, then I started working casually for Fast whilst I opened up my, my own restaurant and then TV World and this, that and the other, and here I am today.
1: <laughs> well, you mentioned that you were trained in French uh, cookery. Can you take us back to when you first became a chef? What drew you to the industry?
0: Um, oh, well, my, my grandma. Um, I started cooking when I was a wee one. It was all grandma, she was my favourite human in the whole wide world. I would do anything to have just one more day with her. Um, and so whenever I would, because um, I'm, I'm from the UK, so I, but we lived all over the place. We lived between the UK, then we moved to the States, and we moved to Zimbabwe or the other way around. So sort of grew up all over the place. But I always just remember grandma and going to grandma's Um and always just hanging out in the kitchen with her and she'd teach me how to make things. Like, you know, when I was younger, it was it was the scones. And then as we got older, she'd get me more stuck in with the, with the hot, hotter foods and things like that. Because, um, yeah, and I've got grandma's recipe file now, which is in this great, big sort of gray BT telecom file. Um, and I just love going through it because it's it's got all, so Grandpa was, he's ex-military, he was RAF, so Grandma also sort of was all over the the world on bases with women from all over the world, so they'd have all these different recipes and different flavours and they'd all collaborate together and do big feeds and I've got all all of that in this file, um, which I just love. So, yeah, so Grandma was the one who sort of, got me into the whole cooking thing and then I guess I was at uni in Brighton um, and you know everyone needs a job to get them through uni and I was managing a pub and um, there was a kitchen there that nobody used so I went oh well why don't we make more money and I'll start cooking and then I, just, I, I thought I could manage the pub and, and cook the food at the same time. And I was like, actually, I think I just prefer being in the kitchen and not having to deal with any of the customers. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it just started off with, you know, your your stereotypical pub grub and roasts and I come from a big family I'm the eldest of five so mum also threw these lavish dinner parties when we were in America um, dad worked in Manhattan and we lived in Connecticut and We'd have all these dinner parties, and again, I'd get stuck in with Mum in the kitchen there, and then she'd put me and my sister in matching Laura Ashley dresses as waitresses. It was so embarrassing um <laughs> big it was the eighties, it was puffy sleeves and big hair bows. it was awful <laughs> um yeah, um, and then uh well I've completely lost my train of thought thinking about that dress now um so yeah so sorry uni and so I was used to cooking big meals and I lived with six boys at uni in in a house and so I was like you know what I can do this I'm gonna be fine doing this and I just started doing it and then I went and got proper training and everything like that because I just was like well this is what I love. This is what I, 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 I want to be in a kitchen. Still got my degree because mum and dad were very much insistent that I get a degree from university. Um, uh, but, yeah, just wound up back in kitchens.
1: Well, you mentioned the um, pub that you were working in and um, you started doing pub grub and now you're in the Banksy Hotel. Tell, tell us about what you're doing there with Faz.
0: Well, our, the pub grub I was doing back in nineteen ninety eight or ninety seven is definitely uh, well below <laughs> <laughs> what I'm doing now with Fass. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, we 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 do pub grub, but it's it's just really good pub grub. It's not we don't buy in anything. We're making our own sauces. We, you know, we don't buy in bot bought, bought chicken schnitzels or you know we we we've got you know uh, Fass's special crumb and everything like that. And I think we've had five i don't know how many different people nominate us for best best schnitzel in sydney so that was the the schnitties are um they fly out the door um it's ridiculous uh and then obviously there's we've got we have pork on the menu and we have we do have the offering of if people want to have a whole suckling pig we just need the the you know advance notice so we can get the suckling pig in it's not something that we just have lying around in the core cool room. Um, roasts on Sundays. I, I get my, I get the pasta machine out every now and then and still do some hand rolled pasta and things like that. Um, so yeah, it's it's very produce driven. Um, you know, seasonal. Uh, f- fresh is best. We don't. It's you know, it's not something that we make stuff and. And it sits in a freezer for days and days and days, or weeks and weeks and weeks. It's, it's. I'm on the phone to my suppliers. They probably get a bit sick of hearing me every now and then. But um, you know, instead of having a specific fish on the menu, it will say market fish because I get a market report from the, the boys at Martins every every week, and I'll I'll change it up in accordance to that. Or you know, we have a, a specials board. Um, where we have lots of different specials um you know sometimes it will be in theme with uh like we had obviously uh, australia day so we're doing pavs and and things like that pavs and the ausberger um and then we know with valentine's day coming up we're going to do porchetta for two so the stuffed and rolled um, pork belly um and a very chocolatey indulgenty dessert um so, yeah, we just we have a good time in the kitchen um down at banks, yeah, and we produce i think I think we produce really good pub grub, but it it's definitely elevated pub grub, not your uh standard.
1: You mentioned uh, while you were having chemotherapy that you lost your sense of taste has has that whole experience that you've had? and the trauma in the last couple of years, has that changed you as a cook and the way that you use ingredients and work in the kitchen? Um,
0: definitely look, I, I appreciate flavor. Like I've never, I think like when you lose your taste, it's horrific is especially as a chef, like it will be horrific for anyone because as who's a food lover, if you couldn't taste anything, um, and then, getting that flavour back I mean your taste comes back gradually and when it does I mean when I finished when I finished chemo I think the first thing I did was mum went and got me a big cheese board because I was dairy and me just didn't mix well during chemo and all I wanted was to have my blue my stinky blue a nice creamy (laughs) brie a good old cheddar and I was like oh this is so good I'm so happy to have it again Um, but as well, because I didn't have dairy for so long, I I don't have as much dairy now than, um, I did previously. Um, and like I developed a sweet tooth, never really had a sweet tooth before. Um, uh, so that was really weird for me. Um, I'm I have always loved ginger, but I love ginger even more because it was ginger and vinegar that I could taste during chemo. And I think it was actually, like, more the the heat from the ginger and the acidity from the vinegar. Um, And I could kind of get a a flavor with those, but that was about it. Um, Because, yeah, it was every week that I was going and getting, like, by Sunday I was sort sort of starting to get, Flavor back, but on Monday they're hooking me back up to uh, <laughs> to some more chemo, which is great fun. Just great fun.
1: <laughs> well, you are in the new role at the moment, and um, you mentioned how important your friends in hospitality have been in the last couple of years. Well, what, what are you enjoying at the moment and looking forward to as this role develops?
0: Um, look, I am just i am enjoying. Being full time kitchen again, um, I think my life is now settled, and I'm like I've made it. I actually it was only a few weeks ago, but I said to myself, I said it's time to put the last few years in the past, um, and it's the, you've got to start looking forward. Um, uh, so I'm just looking forward to that, and we'll see what happens. I'm sure there'll be. Um, a few more things coming from the world of Fass and and all his motley crew, which I'll just say, watch the space. You
1: um, can't tell us about any of them yet. Uh,
0: no, not quite yet. <laughs> I'll get in trouble. I don't want to get in Fass's bad books. Um, but yeah, there's a look. Yeah, I'm um, yeah. I'm not saying
1: anything. Well, look, you've, you've just got the new role. We better not get you in the bad books. No. Um, Naomi, we've loved having you on Deep in the Weeds to share your story and really look forward to um, what you do at Banksia Hotel and also what may be around the corner with Faz and Jane and, and yourself. Um, we've loved having you on the show. Please keep in touch and uh, we'll talk again soon.
0: Okay, great. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been, it's been great chit-chatting.
1: This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstead. Stay tuned as we share the stories of Australia's hospital community, suppliers and producers in search of hope during this pandemic. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at deepintheweedspodcast or email us at podcast at deepentheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.